Good morning. We welcome Great. President Richard Davenport, president of Minnesota State University. Congratulations on your upcoming retirement after 19 years here in Mankato. Well, thank you, Karen. Uh, very much appreciate the uh, congratulations and looking forward to uh, what I call my, uh, rather than saying retirement, I'm going to call it rewirement. I love that. Uh, because I don't really believe in re retiring. Uh, I really want to, I think everybody should keep active and try new things and different things. So I got to sort of rewire rather in, than retire. <laughs> in your lifetime, is this one of the longest gigs you've had though, in terms of being a president here at Minnesota State? Yes, yeah, the, the, the second longest was uh, at Central Michigan University. I was there for 12 years. And then at Iowa State, I was there for eight years. Those are the uh, longest periods. When yeah. you came to Mankato, did you say, I'm gonna be here 20 years, almost 20 years, or did you think, ah, this is just a blip on the map? Well, I didn't say it was a blip on the map, but I honestly thought um, probably five or six years, you know, okay. and um, you know, as Dick Rush played a big role in getting me here, he said, you'll love this university. Um, you know, he said, uh, Dick said to me, he said, you should come here, take this, because it was my first presidency. And he said, because nothing's broken and you can really make a lot of headway. Well, he was certainly right. And uh, so, yeah. so. You know, I figured in five years I'd probably move on, but here I am, 19 years. <laughs> how do you, how are you familiar with, with Dick Rush? What was that relationship, how you connected with him? Well, first of all, I knew Dick as part of the national organization, uh, and we'd see one another at national conferences. And of course, you know, everybody connected him to Minnesota State Mankato. Uh, and so I, I, uh, I was working with search firms and search firm says said to me basically you know there's there's this really great job down there at minnesota state in mankato it's kind of a choice job you should take a look at it and so uh, i knew dick rush was here and that's how we got connected but at any rate um you know is uh turned out to be all true and and even even more that uh this was happened to be one of those universities that was ready to go to the next level. And, and we had faculty and staff, we didn't have any problems really that were insurmountable. Uh, the students were, were superb and faculty extremely committed and staff to helping our students to be successful. So that part uh, was just a matter of providing encouragement and resources um, and then opening up ideas for people to experiment with new new technologies and new ways of uh, doing research and, and teaching. So uh, that was that was all true, actually. So here we are. So when you came first came here, were you in love with the community right away? Was it similar to what you had? Or did you look and say, I don't know, this is perfect? Or I'm just curious, kind of your first thoughts as you moved here and saw what you what was here? Well, it was both positive and negative. Okay. Uh, so uh, certainly one of the most beautiful valleys I've been in. And, and I, I, when I came down, I thought, oh my gosh, what an absolutely gorgeous location in geography. And and then of course, my, my roots really take me back to Nebraska where I grew up. So you have to know anybody in Nebraska, the only thing they really know is Cornhusker football. And so, uh, 
So I told this story a couple of times, so I might bore listeners, but um, I, I remember driving past the uh, uh, the football stadium and when they were showing me the campus and I said, wow, that's not a bad practice field. <laughs> they said, no, no, that is our football stadium. Uh, and so I was thinking, oh my God, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> and and uh, it hasn't changed much, but but it will. We, we would have had, I can say, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, we'd probably have a new stadium today. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get there. And I think under Dr. Um, Inch, uh, the new president-elect, uh, he'll make that a priority to move that forward. And I think we will get some statewide support so, and donor support. So 19 years is, is quite a long time for one stint. Given the way the job market is today, a lot of people continue moving. What ultimately kept you here? That was the excitement of, of uh, everybody was ready to uh, really take the university to the next level. Um, I was fortunate and made some really great hires, people like Scott Olson and uh, others that um, really moved things uh, and, and positively forward, as well as Ann Blackhurst and others. Um, and along the way, Marilyn Wells is provost and I think basically all in all about six different, five different presidents came out of here since I've been here. Some that you don't hear as much about, um, but it was that energy, the enthusiasm uh, of the administrative staff and then establishing a really solid and trusting relationship with the faculty and the staff. And, and so they, they kind of understood that I was a person that would listen and that uh, I would take their ideas to heart. And, and then, you know, we got to that point that all universities do where we had to make some huge budget cuts, which we did. And we made our budget cuts and then we looked around and nobody else had made budget cuts. When everybody was predicting uh, an extreme uh, down um, uh, drop in enrollment, I should say, and then it turned out it, it didn't happen. So we actually had a lot of money left over uh, that we could reinvest, which really turned out to be a blessing for us. But back to your question. So that led to this idea of what do others think on this campus? And I, I think so many um, universities and presidents and administration, they don't, don't really reach out to the uh, staff or the average person, whatever that means, but the, the people that are in all walks of life within the institution. And it happened that I was going to do that. So I thought I would all do that, do that in a year. And uh, Carol Stallcamp was my chief of staff at that time. And she says, well, you're not going to get that done. And at any rate, uh, I didn't. But I, my goal was to meet every faculty and staff member at the university. Now we have 1,700 faculty and staff people. And so that turned out that that was never possible. But uh, she would come along and take notes. And pretty soon we had a big, thick notebook of ideas. And I'd always ask people, what do you think? How do we solve this problem or that problem? Or what would you do differently if you were president and stuff like that? Anyway, it was amazing if you ask people that and you actually sit back quietly and let them talk, they will tell you. And they will tell you things you didn't know as a president 
and they'll tell you how to fix things. And uh, nobody had ever asked them. And so that led to this concept, which actually came about naturally, of big ideas. All of a sudden, we had a notebook full of big ideas. And uh, there were about $25 million worth of ideas. And we only had about $5 million to invest in those ideas. So we uh, went through a process where faculty and staff, um, senior leaders in that area, determined how to spend that money and how to invest in big ideas. And then basically, that was uh, how we launched the Big Ideas campaign. And it was truly the Big Ideas concept, uh, working with every office, public relations, marketing, advancement, you name it, uh, to promote that. The other thing is the, the campus was a little bit blah, beautiful in many ways, but no purple and gold. So I decided we needed to paint our campus. And so uh, we, have, we did that with marketing. And um, well, anyway, I could go on and on, but let me stop because you probably have other questions. It, it has been a combination of uh, brilliant ideas on the part of a lot of people. So that's what makes you stay here, the brilliance of the people. Well, uh, yeah, you know, it's exciting, fun. And we were, we were succeeding and we were not failing. We were succeeding constantly over that 19 years, no matter what we were faced with. Remind me what year you started. I started in um, 2001. And it wasn't long after you started when we had what were called the KMSU riots, AKA civil disturbances, which is what we called it. And I was a part of the um, media relations back then. And talk about uh, something, uh, a big thing to face for a brand new, relatively new president. Was that one of your biggest challenges or did that pale in comparison to maybe some other things you think about? It, it wasn't my biggest challenge, but at the time I thought it was. Sure, <laughs> right. You know, so, so I don't know how many 5,000, 8,000, 10,000, I can't even remember how many students were out there protesting, but it was really all innocent on their part. And, and because yes, it was after a were, big, it was after that big win. So you would think, why are they protesting? Because oh, it was a ha yeah, happy, it was kind of a happy oh, thing, funny. but turned a little wild, I guess. So they, it was just a few students who lit a fire in, in a, uh, in a, one of those, you know, garbage containers. Yep. And, and then what happened is there was a bit of an overreaction. Now, the interesting thing most people don't remember is that did not happen on our campus, nor did any of the students protest or gather on our campus. It was off campus. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was, the, the story I often tell about that is I had a new vice president for student affairs and she called me up and I was living down the block um, and temporary housing while I was building a new house. And she says, well, President Davenport, she says, we, we have a little bit of disturbance. I just wanted to let you know, I didn't want to war. I didn't want to worry you or anything like that. It's, it's kind of a minor thing. And I said, well, what do you mean disturbance? Well, some students are gathering and, and so forth. And well, she didn't realize only, I was only a block from campus, a block and a half. So I opened my screen door and a helicopter was hovering above, flashing lights all over the place. And I thought, what the heck is this? And so, uh, yeah, that was quite an experience. Um, probably didn't need to grow into 
the magnitude of the event uh, that it that it became. But uh, that was a that was a, a good test for my first year uh, as president. What are or have been some of the most challenging times? Do you feel as president here for the last nineteen years? <laughs> well, I'd say one of the most probably two things. I want to say one in athletics and one in diversity. And let me start in diversity first. So on the diversity side, uh, having having actually uh, come from Michigan, I was at Central Michigan, which is a university uh, at that time of about 18,000 students, extremely diverse uh, students from everywhere. Uh, and I came here and I noticed uh, right away, it was obvious, you could walk down, um, you know, the walkway, the corridors of the campus. And I mean, if you saw a person of color, it's like, wow, there's a person of color. And so I asked somebody, I said, what's going on here? Why do we not have more students down here? Is it a place they don't want to come to or what? And so as it turned out, we had under 5%, maybe 4% of our student body that were international students and or um, uh, students of color. So I decided that was going to change. Uh, because if you take a look at the demographics, that's where the demographics were changing. We're going to have students uh, of color. We're going to be growing faster than Caucasian students in terms of high school graduation. And I thought we needed to get a jump start on it. So what I'm really proud about over the years, it didn't happen immediately, but uh, is now we have 18% of our students on campus are students of color and another 6% that are uh, international students. So we have this diverse 24, almost 25% of our students are quite diverse. And that provides a rich learning environment for them as well as for all of our students. So that was, that was really a big challenge. And I, I wondered for many years if we were really gonna uh, hit the threshold, the critical mass that we needed to make that happen. And Henry Morris uh, uh, worked with me side by side, um, our vice president for diversity and others, and, and we made that happen. So that was, that was a huge challenge. I feel good where we are today. I know it's gonna continue to move in that direction. Um, and that's going to make our, our university even more attractive. It's kind of a safe environment down here. You're pretty far away from the Twin Cities. And so families and parents say it's a good place to send our son or daughter. And the other issue you mentioned was athletics. Yeah. So um, you might remember this, Karen, on athletics uh, when I first came because you were, you were working in public relations and marketing. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the issues we had is we had a Title IX problem. And as you know, any kind of a Title IX problem, it's gonna blow up, it's gonna be a national issue if you don't fix it. And so that Title IX problem really was that um, the, the women's sports were not really being supported uh, as richly, if you will, as men's sports. And, um, and so we had more uh, men's sports and women's sports and so forth. So, so one of the things that universities typically do across the country when you have a Title IX problem is they cut men's sports in order to balance everything out. And that's funding as well. And um, so I made the decision because I do believe that the front porch and the window of the university is often seen by the public on a national level via athletics. 
Not that so many other things that we do are not extremely important or are not equally important, but that seems to get a lot of press. And um, so I decided we're not going to cut back. We're going to add to. So we put about $3 million into athletics and into women's sports. And today I can tell you we are knocking the top off of uh, all women's sports in every field. Uh, national chan- championships, runner-ups, softball, basketball, um, volleyball, um, you name it, track. Um, and so the same is true for men. And so in the there's a, a major director's cup, which every university in the country wants to earn. And I can say since I've been here, uh, we have moved into the top 10 in the country coming as close to second, I believe, uh, in, in the country in terms of athletics. So one says, well, why is that? You're an academic university. Why was that such a challenge or so important? Well, you have to understand the young people today. And, and the young people today, and I didn't believe it myself until I heard it from um, a number of our experts over in fitness, the fitness area. They said that two-thirds of our students are either in uh, intramural sports, athletics, or fitness programs. And I said, no way, that's not, that's not, that couldn't possibly be true. Turns out it's true. And that's one of the highest rates in the country. So that means, what does that mean? It means that all of those new fields that we built, uh, whether it's a dome or a new track or a new softball stadium or whatever, they were going to be used and uh, they were used by our students. The really cool thing is grade point average of these students. Unbelievable. Way above uh, the average student, uh, ranging anywhere from like 3.2 to 4.0. On the average, uh, this year we continue with the same numbers. Uh, These athletes are good students. Um, and um, most of them, the highest percentage end up on the dean's list. So, so that was a challenge because we could have gone the other way and we could have been in a lot of trouble and the press that we would have gotten would have been very negative. And so we did, uh, thanks to the help of a lot of people, we turned that in the other direction, made that work for us. Dr. Davenport, to listen to you talk, I feel like you're talking about your own children. You're so proud. <laughs> well, yeah, you too. I mean, you've been here as long as I, and so you know that um, we we all have this vested interest in success of our students. And you know, um, when I came, uh, we, the students mostly came from in this region, right? Um, approximately a half to two thirds, if I recall came from Southern Minnesota region and, and the rest came from the Twin Cities and a few from up North and a certain percentage from out of state, uh, but not that high. Today, we're able to tell the story consistently year after year. Students come here from every county in Minnesota, every single one. They come here from every state in the USA. And I know there was a blip about a year ago, because we didn't have anybody from New Hampshire. <laughs> but but I think we now have students from New Hampshire. 
And, uh, and then what's really changed is that we have students from 97 countries today. So um, the, the look of the campus is a real university with students from everywhere. And these are students that have strong work ethics, great values. They don't necessarily come from wealthy families, but they have great ideals and goals. And uh, I think when they come here, the parents expect us to prepare them to be leaders uh, in whatever field they, they go in and to move to the next level. You do not have to be a Harvard graduate. And like I said, I often say in my speeches, I often say, you know, we are a great university. And there's one other great university in this state too, which we really love. But we are a great university. A lot of people will credit you with bringing Minnesota State Mankato to the forefront of the Minsku, what used to be known as the Minsku system, now the Minnesota State system, because it used to be, and maybe you, this was one of your goals, I don't know, but St. Cloud was kind of the point that everyone looked to the star, so to speak, and now it's Minnesota State. Is Was that one of your, your goals? Did you say, I want to be the one people think of first? Well, we certainly um, have peer institutions that we compare ourselves against. And uh, St. Cloud was larger. I think there were like 3,000 students mm -hmm. above us in enrollment. And um, so, so we did actually, uh, you benchmark, <clears throat> that's normal for every university to benchmark against other institutions. And so we benchmark against Duluth and against St. Cloud. And um, it didn't take us too long and we surpassed Duluth, which is really, by the way, don't get me wrong, extremely fine university in all respects. So any comments I make uh, are not derogatory. It was it's just, it's a fabulous university. Same with St. Cloud. Um, but St. Cloud then had some problems mm -hmm. and um, you know they've lost a lot of enrollment over the years. And I think we're now maybe almost twice the size of St. Cloud. But um, was that a goal? Not quite in that context. Uh, the goal, I, I think, was that we wanted to attract students from a wider uh, geographical area. And, um, and we, we understood that we were not going to attract the students with 4.0s or straight A's. That we're going to attract students with uh, all kinds of different backgrounds. That I would say that that has made a difference. And now we recruit the heck out of students from all of the four corners uh, surrounding states, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, South Dakota, North Dakota. One of the reasons you see all the signs around the state from the post, the billboards from uh, North Dakota State, for example, or University of North Dakota, is because uh, they're, they're coming into our state trying to recruit the heck out of our students, which is what we did. Um, a number of years ago. And the billboard people thank you, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, there's some, there's some funny stories about billboards. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, well, the, the billboard story, uh, and of course, we do have a, a train, um, an Amtrak train up there that that uh, that runs, well, it's not Amtrak, but it's the, it's the uh, what do you call it, the train up in the, in the Twin Cities um, that basically is wrapped and runs through the U of M campus and so forth like that. But one, one time, um, you know, our, our, our staff basically um, 
putting billboards all over the Twin Cities because we were recruiting and a lot of TV ads and so forth. They put one right uh, on the front porch of the uh, Metropolitan State University. <laughs> and so the president called and said, really, President Davenport, really? Did, you know, I can't look out my window without seeing Minnesota State University pancake all <laughs> So that was an accident. So we moved it, oh, and then another accident occurred, and that it, w it got moved right down to McAllister across the highway, and we were playing a football game with McAllister that weekend, and all you could see was the billboard. Oh, <laughs> in my the God. So, um, so we've, had, we've had fun with it, and uh, I've had to apologize many times. Oh, but... Uh, for yeah, I guess it's, that's that's not the worst that can happen though. So I guess that's not too bad. Oh no, no, we 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 everybody took it in good humor. Good. I even got that same thing with Duluth. The the Duluth president called me. and He says, "Gosh, your billboard is so close to our university." <laughs> and he said, "You know what I did to the last university?" He said, "I told him if they didn't get that billboard from some other unnamed university." I was coming down there with a chainsaw and I was oh, going to cut it off. Oh dear. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's a lot of fun competitive uh, activities that take place. What are some of the most fun moments that you can recall? I mean, I know 19 years is a long time, but there's any stories that pop in your head that you just think, wow, I'm so lucky that I was able to experience this. Well, I suppose people wouldn't call this fun. Uh, but in my mind, it was kind of fun when we imploded the towers. Um, what were they called? The, the gauge um, towers. Gauge towers. And and we got to blow them up. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Well, that was quite, um, a, a, quite a spectacle, too. I, and I think uh, we had quite a crowd then, I remember. Yeah, it was. We did have a great. And, and then I would say, um, you know, the athletic events, uh, there's so many athletic events, men and women's sports that have been just outstanding. Being there to see our women's basketball team, uh, you know, win the national championship, softball team, likewise, and others, football. Uh, but I would say those are always proud moments for our university in general. Um, you know, the fact that our theater department is so well known nationally uh in in the world of theater and dance and that's another proud area where um i can't say enough paul hustles who just retired likewise a director and and uh, department head uh has taken more championship trophies in theater and dance uh, in the dance department than i think any other institution i know of every year he's at the kennedy center uh and at regional um competition, picking up those awards, which says a lot for that department and for our, our directors. So Dr. Davenport, in your rewirement, what does that look like? Will you be traveling? Will you be fill in the blank? Yeah, well, I think I'm going to be um, very excited as I have been over the 19 years and uh, enjoying really actually just really enjoy it is it's true what a lot of people say is that if you enjoy your job, it's a lot of fun. And it really is. It's just a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, yeah, you have those times when it's you got some tough decisions to make and, and all of that. But 
But to rewire rather than retire just means to redirect that fund and uh, direct it on things that I want to do. And I have a list a mile long and um, not necessarily prioritize, but uh, I, I plan to bring that same level of enjoyment and fun to whatever I do. So we're going to travel like everybody does. So there's almost a, you know, uh, a, a format for people that retire. They buy an RV, they travel around the country for a couple of years until they get tired. And then they do something else. They read every book that they wanted to read and then they do something else. But, but I have ideas far beyond that. So I'm, I'm not planning to go back into higher ed or administration or anything like that. I've worked long enough. Um, and I guess I was, um, I, I think that last statement is I worked, worked hard enough in higher ed. Uh, that's the key. Um, because it was um, Iowa State University is where I started as an extremely young guy. And, uh, and that was actually 50 years ago from the day to the day uh, when I retire. And I was even younger than you, Karen, and <laughs> when I started. <laughs> wow. and so, so it was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot uh, when I was at Iowa State University. And that's really what uh, helped me make up my mind that I wanted to be a university president now. Just imagine yourself a wet behind the ears, young assistant professor who has barely taught in the classroom, saying in their head that they would be a university president that they'd want. That's what they wanted to do. It sounds naive, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, I, I will hope that health continues positively and that it'll uh, allow Mary and I to do the kind of things that we want to do and. You know, I'm fortunate because uh, I did have a kidney transplant and uh, Jenny Bessler was uh, the donor for that. And she's here at the university and she's doing well. And I will ever forever be grateful for her uh, who really, she didn't really know me, uh, stepped up to the plate and, and did that for me. So something that I'll forever, uh, you know, love her for uh, being, willing to do that for somebody that you don't really know. Yeah, that is quite amazing. It's true. Any donors, I mean, I have the highest admiration and I've learned, I've known a lot of, a lot of people and I just say they are a breed uh, among themselves. They are so unique and special. Anyway. I wanted to go back when you were a little kid, did you at one point when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you say? I'm just curious going way back. Was it probably wasn't university president, maybe president of the United States or? You know, I, <clears throat> I really don't remember at that early age. <laughs> <clears throat> I do know I was, I had a paper out when I was very young, which I inherited from my brother. I suppose I was five or six when I was helping him. And I think I took it over at eight or nine. And, and uh, so that was my first real money job. Sure. And so I, I was not, I, I guess I really, like most people, thought that I would like to go to college. And even at that age, it was an idea, what, what, go to college? But um, it wasn't until, and there was a story about this in a magazine that was just published, that um, in the summer, so my mother died at an early age, 32, of cancer. 
and left uh, seven children. And, and so my dad, there he was trying to take care of us. So in the summer to help him out, all of our aunts and uncles and grandparents would get one that was right. So, so I, I came to uh, Minnesota with, to see my grandfather and uh, Worthington, Minnesota spent the summer there and fishing and having a ball and this and that. Well, then the next summer, uh, I was a little bit older and I went to my sister's house in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, at, uh, at the University of Nebraska. And her husband was in ROTC, but he was an astrophysicist and working on a graduate degree, but he was teaching, right? And so like anybody, um, she said, you got to get this kid out from under me. He's driving me crazy. And I think I was 12 years old, maybe 11 or 12, something like that. And so he dragged me to all of his classes. Now imagine me, I know nothing about astrophysics. I'd sit in the back of the room and I'd list, listen to him. But what I uh, enjoyed the most was watching the students and traveling around the campus with him. And he must have hated me for that. Uh, but having been uh, tagged with me. But at any rate, that's, I guess, when I decided I wanted to work at a university. So that was the first step. Were you a first generation student or no? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother-in-law, the one that was astrophysicist who worked on the, on the uh, space capsule, a couple of them actually at NASA, and then went on at the University of Alabama and NASA for until he passed, uh, well known for many of his research um, inventions in the space program. He would check in with me once in a while and he made sure that I would go to college because I told him I wanted to go to college. So he helped remind me, you know. Dr. Davenport, as you face your last weeks here as the president of the university, are there any final words that you'd like to say to the community or just personally? Well, certainly uh, the first word that comes to mind is thank you for making this such a wonderful experience. I mean, it's the friends, all the people that uh, I've met and everybody that's really helped um, this university and community because we really work together as partners. Uh, that is the, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, it's never about me. Uh, and I think if everybody knows that it's never about me, and I'm not referring to myself necessarily, uh, I'm referring to everybody. If you take the attitude that this is really always a team effort, which I believe, and I've never ever thought no, this is about you, Richard. This is really about helping this university and this community to thrive. And so um, if anybody thinks that it's the president, you know, that's made something happen, yeah. You know, have think again. That's never the way it is. It's, it's all, always a team and everybody around you. And so, I mean, anybody that's been in the world of business that has been su- successful, they know. It doesn't matter if they're the CEO. They may be drawing down the highest salary. They know it's the team. And so I would say um, thanks to the community, great relationships in all respects, whether it's the hospitals, the schools, the other colleges and universities. It was uh, the community leaders uh, that has really made everything um, so much fun. And I would say that with um, my predecessor, or I mean with the president-elect, Ed Inch coming on board, um, I think he has the characteristics to do the same thing. He's a very, very nice guy. I mean, 
people are, are, are going to love him. And if uh, everybody give him a chance to be successful, and I think uh, you'll be thrilled with his, with the outcomes. Are you going to be hanging around? Are you going to be traveling elsewhere? Yeah, well, yeah, as soon as we get an RV, we ordered one, but it takes eight months oh, to get you, it. Oh, you were serious about doing the RV thing. I thought you were just... Oh, yeah, right. We ordered one, and, and the problem is we won't get it till February. So, uh, uh, okay. you know, we'll be traveling. Yeah, we'll be like everybody else. We'll be going to the, going to the warmer climates for the holidays. But I would just say that it's been especially fun to watch our students succeed. And literally, if we had more time, and I know we don't, I could talk about it. more than 100 students that I've gotten to know that have gone on to be highly successful, whether it's Tim Hips, who started as you know, our student government vice president and now is a, a major executive at General Mills or somebody else. I mean, I could give you a long, long, long list. We're very proud of you all. Well, thank you, Dr. Danforth. It's been a pleasure to work with you through the years. I've been here as long as you have, and just it's been great to see the university develop. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to be difficult to leave all the wonderful friendships you've had behind, but what great memories. Well, Karen, we've had a lot of fun together, so I agree with you. But thank you so much for the opportunity to, to visit with you, and uh, let's keep in touch. All right, absolutely. And all the best to you and Mary. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Okay.